This podcast is entitled, uh, should be entitled, um, Mining for Silver in Dark Clouds, or Looking for the Silver Lining. There are so many things that have happened in my life and in the life of uh, my family <clears throat> that makes me wonder, uh, you know, just what would have happened to me had I followed my ideas. Because what had happened is when I was four years old, my father left and I cried myself to sleep till I was five. And then a stepfather came in oh, when I was about six or seven, I guess. And uh, he stayed till I was 10. Uh, and, but he was an alcoholic merchant marine, but he was also a cabinet maker and taught me carpentry and uh, the use of tools to, um, uh, to to work to do woodwork. Then my th- father came back in when I was twelve, and uh, he was a alcoholic watermaker. Bless his heart, I love him. He was um, uh, he taught me how to do blacksmithing work and how to temper steel and uh, how to how to work it and also how to uh, uh, overhaul engines and repair them and uh, how to use plastic gates and stuff to get the, the right clearances. It was amazing how much he taught me in the in the uh, a few years he stayed with us this time. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> one day we were walking down the street in Galveston and uh, it was on Market Street and I heard my mom and dad talking behind me and he said, that's my boy, and I love it, love him. I don't care if he grows up to be a bum with holes in his britches or whether he grows up to be an engineer and making a lot of money. He's my boy, and I'm proud of him, and I love him. Folks, that father's blessing set me free. And I can tell you that was just about, um, uh, that was just about the best thing that ever happened between my father and I, except what he taught me. Because you see, uh, after he broke up with us this time, this third divorce actually, we uh, we went to live in Beaumont with my grandfather and grandparents, an aunt and an uncle. And uh, he was, um, uh, my grandfather was a tugboat captain. And living with him, I got to go down to the river sometimes and get on the boat and watch him start it and see how he handled it with the big wheel and how patient he was and how he had to calculate ahead and all this. And I learned that watching, I learned an awful lot from him, but I learned so much out of these hard experiences that were terrible. But they, um, there was a silver lining because later the skills I learned from my stepfather and my father and my grandfather, I produced uh, 11 mobile clinics <laughs> Uh, building them. Another dark cloud. I flunked Spanish in high school. Oh, that killed me because I had A's in most of my other courses, but I just couldn't handle a language. And uh, it just broke it broke my heart. Uh, and I got so upset that when I got into college, I minored in Spanish because I wasn't going to let it whip me. But because I had to get drop out of Spanish class, I went into, uh, they called it mechanical drawing. We'd call it drafting today. And that drafting course has enabled me to design mobile disaster units, mobile clinics, and other machinery that I needed to, to build or do or whatever. 
in the years since then. It has been a tremendously valuable course. And um, it came out of the black cloud again, uh, the failure. Well, going to college, I, I didn't have uh, any money. No one in my, high, in my family had ever finished high school. And I don't know a thing about going to college. I just knew that uh, working in the foundry uh, where they're in Beaumont, Texas, they were my 16th, 17th, 18th year. Uh, I, I wanted to be a metallurgist and I knew that required a chemistry degree. And so I was praying about how to get into college. Well, before I finished working with Mr. Worley in the shop and foundry for the my 18th year, uh, I felt God calling me to preach. I'd been saved uh, when I was 16, and I got with a bunch of Christian students at school, and we were just having a, a marvelous ministry time praying and things. I felt called to, to preach, but I had a speech defect because I started stuttering when I was four, when Dad left, and it got worse uh, until I was in high school. Yeah, the, my buddy is there. I think they elected me student body president because they wanted to hear me stutter through the Pledge of Allegiance. But I fooled them. I would just say, I, put my hand on my, on my heart and say, I, and then they would start and I'd just mouth it. <laughs> but I, I told Mr. Worley um, that I think God's called me to preach. And, and my background would have nothing in it to prepare me for this. And and he said, well, John, that's wonderful. I said, no, it's not. I, I want to be a, a metallurgist. He, he said, no, you don't. You want to do what God wants you to do. I thought, well, that's right. I do. And uh, um, I preached at a rescue mission uh, in the uh, red light district of Beaumont six weeks later. And six weeks after that, the stuttering disappeared. And it didn't occur when I was preaching that first time. That was the start of it. So out of that dark, dark cloud, God brought victory to show me how what a powerful God that he really is. Well, I needed to go to college and uh, uh, the coach, I had to, I, had, I got <laughs> scholarships to offer from Baylor and from um, Idaho University, University of Idaho and uh, uh, and from Hardin Simmons, and uh, I was praying, Lord, which one of these do I take? And and I, I didn't feel even leadership to any of them. And then the coach came in from Nacogdoches, from Stephen F. Falls State University, and said, uh, I want to see Clyde McAuliffe and John Lanou. And when the coach called us in, he said, look, I can't promise you anything, but I want you to come and work out with our team and and see if you can uh, earn a scholarship. You'll have to. You'll have to be uh, real good. You know to advance it to, to earn the scholarship that we have. Can't promise it to you, but you you can earn it. Well, I went home and prayed, Lord. Surely that's not it. I mean, that's that's not even a promise. That's just a, a chance. Well, I discovered, folks, that God was more interested in developing my character than He was my comfort. And He said that was the one. He indicated SFA was it, and boy, am I glad He did. Well, I went to college, and man, I made the I made the I got a scholarship, and uh, I beat out several others who were older and more experienced. But God guided me through it. And then, at the uh, during the season, I I was first string 
uh, a first team for the uh, uh, for offense and, and just did a tremendous job. I, I'm not bragging. I'm just stating the fact that God was blessing me. Well, at the end of the season, everything was going great. I, was, I decided if I'm going to preach and be an athlete, then if I if I can be a, a high-class, high-quality athlete, I can use that as my testimony, and I can do youth-led revivals. Boy, I was so excited. I was just really, as, I, as we say, chomping at the bit <laughs> to ours uh, to, to get into this. And, boy, that, that was right down my alley, and I was preparing for it. Well, spring training came, and I had an accident in spring training um, where um, – my, my it paralyzed my left shoulder it hit, hit the neck and the shoulder and uh I, I got out of the hospital and the doctor told me if that happens again you could lose the use of that arm and it could affect your uh, your spinal cord well that meant i couldn't play any more football oh my goodness and i was i was just still depending on that to be a key to my ministry well, while I was <laughs> ruminating about that and trying to see what was going on, one of the girls at the, over at the Baptist Student Center said, John, our church doesn't have a pastor. Would you come preach for us? I, I, I prayed about it, and I said, yes, I will. So it's a, it was what we call a halftime church. They could only afford to have a preacher on the first and third Sundays of each month. And um, <clears throat> so I went and, and preached, and Oh, well, they were so excited. They called me as their as their pastor. I mean, just right away. And another little church um, on the other side of, the, of Cushing, Texas, was called Oak Flat or uh, Bethany. And uh, they always shared the pastor with the, the church at Sackle where I was preaching. So I became their pastor on second and fourth Sundays. <laughs> And then the BSU is having a Friday night missions program that ministered to an African-American Baptist church in Nacogdoches. Remember now, this is 1953 and 54, and uh, integration hadn't even started. Well, I went to preach at their church, and they were so excited. Please come back every Friday night. We'll have our Sunday services on Friday night, and you can preach. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my having to stop playing football and get out of athletics. And it steered me into preaching and the preaching load began to increase and the excitement about it increased and the commitment to it increased. And these, oh man, the folks at that Black Baptist Church, they they would talk to me and encourage me. And yes, preacher, amen, say it again. Oh boy, they just, I mean, they just cheered like a cheering squad. And every now and then only being 19, I'd get a little, a little weak in my presentation, and they'd say, "Oh Jesus, help him," and Jesus would, and we'd go on. Well, with these two churches, uh, two, two white churches, and the one black church, I, I was pretty busy, and still going to college, and I was making good grades. Well, when uh, I was in, uh, I went pray, Lord, I, I need a wife. I, what a 19 year old yes i was praying for a wife because in the little halftime churches every eligible daughter uh, always when i went home to eat with the family always cooked the chicken or cooked the biscuits or something that uh and, and i'm impressed i should be with her <laughs> anyway i felt pressure 
and I was praying, Lord, please, I need a wife. And I prayed for a wife. I mean, I, I was really into it. I, I even gave God dimensions. Uh, I knew what I wanted. I like a, I like a double armful. Well, anyway, uh, I was in the BSU listening to the ball game that I should have been playing in had I not had the injury. And I, I was, <laughs> I was praying, Lord, please. I'm trying to follow you and it's difficult. Seems like everything I try, it turns out to be something else or wrong. To, but you're blessing me in it and giving me ideas and things to do things that I didn't dream I could do. And I said, Lord, I need a wife. I was praying for a wife. And the lady came in, a group girlfriend of mine from Beaumont. And I told her, I'm wasting my time dating girls till I find one that's called to be a preacher's wife. And uh, she said, how interesting. And I did not know that her roommate had told her the night before, don't laugh at me because there's nothing in my background that would indicate any preparation for this, but I feel like God wants me to be a preacher's wife. Well, <laughs> she came to SFA as the exhibitionist twirler and to train all the majorettes and prepare them for parades and things. She had two dancing schools in, in East St. Louis and was a soprano and a ballerina with the opera in St. Louis. And, <laughs> oh my, um, how she got to Nacogdoches was unbelievable because she came in, she was Miss West Texas and Miss Teller in the Miss Texas contest. And in three weeks, God told me that was the woman, and he told her I was the man. I asked her to marry me after we'd been there just three weeks together. And she said yes, and we married three months later. Uh, oh, it, it just one black cloud after another, though, appeared. Um, she, we, we went to seminary. She was going to teach, and we were gonna, she was going to teach and uh, finance the family while I went to, to get my graduate degree, uh, master's in divinity. She lost her voice after six weeks, and then she started school, and I had to go to work at our jobs uh, to get through, get us both through, but we both came out with Master's of Religious Education for her, Master's of Divinity for me. It just, the hard times produced resilience, it produced patience, and it also produced results as we were obedient to God and his kingdom work. So what I'm saying is, folks, you may have a dark cloud in your life. Well, I've had plenty. But what I've seen God do is have a silver lining that if I endured, as he said, all things work together in, in, uh, to those who call according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. Then he will absolutely take care of you. And these dark clouds will have a bright spot that you're going to discover later. He was preparing you for the work. As I said in an earlier uh, podcast, um, my pain is not wasted as God completes his work in me. And in my weakness, his strength is displayed. Folks, it's marvelous. So get that pick and shovel and start looking at the experiences and seeing how God has blessed you in spite of the dark cloud that Satan may have put over the top of your, your sky. God bless you. For I'm praying for you in Jesus' name as you read this. Amen. Amen.